0: Hey, not bad, not bad at all. Well, for a guy my age, at least, I, I do not understand all of this. Don't drink this and don't eat that and watch your carbs, watch your fat, genetics, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Oh, man, oh, dear. I could sure stand to lose a few pounds. Oh, I know I should get to the gym more often. But, you mm. know, considering my family history, I'm pretty satisfied. Mm. Uh, Dr. Mike? Um, hello, my friend. uh, uh wait. What's up, Doc? What? What? Uh, I, I hope you're calling about a golf game and, or maybe about those test results. Who is it? It's the doctor. I think he's calling about the blood test. Hi, Rod. How are you doing today? Yes, I do have your blood results, and I thought I would call you personally rather than my nurse. Uh, we've been friends for a long time. It gives me a chance to say hi. I have your results right here in front of me, and I think it would be a good idea for both you and Sherry to make an appointment to see me. Uh, some of your numbers are quite a bit more than just out of range, a little bit. Uh, we need to be making some changes with this situation. Could you guys make a or give me a call and uh, make an appointment in my office as soon as you can? I- Think you can do that? <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be there. And uh, you, you let me know if we can do that golf game sometime, all right? I'll look forward to it. Ooh. I didn't. I think that all this was going to catch up to me at some point, but maybe I was wrong. I'm not that fat, am I, honey? (laughs) I look all right. I feel all right, but something isn't right. I don't know what it is, but I'm so tired of feeling this way day after day after day. I'm not depressed. At least I don't think I'm depressed. I don't have anything to be depressed about. Hmm. People look at me as though I've got it all together. Little do they realize I feel just like a child on the inside. I don't understand it. I, I don't know why. Why? Why? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man th- Yeah, all right, I get it. I'm a mess. But I'm angry. And if something doesn't change, I am going to blow my lid... What are you looking at? Something's got to give. If they think for one minute I can keep on like this. Something has got to give. Something's got, something's got to give. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me twice. I really do want a relationship with him. But I know he'll just leave me. It's not even a matter of if, it's when. Oh, that's him. I'm going to be an hour late, wait for me outside. You see? He called me! He loves me! He loves me! As if once isn't, it, isn't enough, the Bible says to forgive 70 times 7 I am so sick and tired of feeling this way. It's just eating me apart from the inside out. I just well, what if I what if I don't want to forgive? Who am I hurting anyway? Myself? I don't know what I'm angry about. Something's got He'll to give this. No need, need this. No need that. People I don't, don't mess. It so all mess. Anything Literally for one minute. Wow, 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 I didn't realize that I'm just falling apart on the inside. Right. What if? Who? Who am I hurting anyway? My myself? myself? Mirror, mirror on the wall. It's not just a fairy tale for little girls or grown-up girls, little boys or boys riding on a horseback. Everybody cares about the mirror, the message of the mirror. We could probably be split into at least two groups of people on a continuum anyhow in the world, people who enjoy the mirror and people who don't people who enjoy the mirror you know you know those people if you've raised children or grandchildren you know where they are at that developmental age when they first recognize a face an image and then they see themselves in the mirror you can't get them away from it can you and some of them never change they are just attached to the mirror they, they even know how to catch their reflection in the store window they don't even need a mirror We have some of the most precious family pictures were taken in front of the mirror in our house when one of our kids had chicken pox and Kirby held her up in front of the mirror and and every face he made, she made. They must have spent a half an hour in front of the mirror and when he was done, no daddy, more. This one still loves the mirror. Now, on the other side are those who really don't care about the mirror. You use it to straighten your tie, check your hair, spinach out of the teeth, done. few like that it tends to be a chromosomally weighted few. And if you moved a little further on the continuum, if we were real honest, friends, there are some of us who just totally avoid the mirror. We don't want to see one. We don't really need to care what we look like in the morning, don't need to check it out we we'll would be fine if we don't see a mirror all day long. The message of the mirror is painful for many people. I was surprised one year, several years ago, when I did a devotion for a group of elementary school teachers. At the beginning of our time together, I passed out handheld mirrors and asked each of the educators to just look into the mirror for a few moments, to just absorb their image in front of God. I was very surprised how many of them took the mirror and turned it upside down in their lap and couldn't complete the assignment. The message that comes from the mirror for many of us is too painful. The message from the mirror often says, I don't measure up. The message from the mirror mixed with all sorts of other messages in society often makes me feel worse about myself than had I just left it alone. And whether we feel a little pride in front of the mirror or a little inferiority in the front of the mirror, these are bedfellows in the conversation. Really, the point of the conversation is, what's with the mirror? Who, who left the mirror in charge? For the mirror sends us messages that are culturally conditioned by society. The mirror sends messages that are bound and constrained by what society says is valued and important. So we look in the mirror and there will always be a message coming back at us mm, there it might be someone more fair than you. Yeah, there's probably someone more slim than you, probably someone definitely more muscular than you, someone more successful, more wealthy than you, certainly someone younger than you. There's certainly someone more interesting than blah old you the messages that come back from the mirror. When you look into the mirror this morning, the beginning of 2008, what's the message that you get back? Does it set well with you? Can you handle what you see and what you hear? Does it disturb you when you look at a mirror today? Wellness begins in the mind, and that's really what I'd like you to consider for the next few minutes Emotional wellness, physical wellness, spiritual wellness, social wellness, it all begins in our mind. We can go through a lot of other wellness motions, but the mind is the beginning of the conversation. The mind is what allows the thought patterns and the messages in and what messages will reside and what messages will we send out. The mind is the beginning of wellness. I would guess that any of us who have paused now at the beginning of 2008 and we are thinking about goals for the year and wellness for the year perhaps, improvements for the year, none of us who may have done that, I would guess none of us have said to ourselves, I think what I'll do is pack on an extra 20 pounds this year. Yeah. No, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll add 10 hours of work to my schedule. I'll just be a little more stressed this year. You know what? I'm going to try cigarette smoking. I've always wanted that habit. Who says I, it's going to be prescription drugs for me this year? I'm going to get hooked on prescription drugs. You know what I think? I'll just try, I'll, I'll just try hitting my wife for a while. I'll, I'll try avoiding my husband. I'll, let's name call the children and see how that works in our home. <laughs> Who starts the year like this? Yet somehow the year goes by and these realities creep up on us. No one intends for that to be the case. Wellness begins in the mind. And we often find ourselves, instead of thriving, we're just surviving. Instead of being well, we walk very, very wounded. Would you consider the wellness pattern that's set for us in Scripture this morning, Psalm 139? Familiar, so familiar to us. But listen to the message that comes from Scripture, the, the words God intends for you and I to, to lay as a foundation as we think about our own wellness this year. Psalm 139, beginning with verse 13. For you created me, my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The poem takes us to a place of reverence and wonder, really, that the God that put the stars and the planets and the orbit in place, the God who put the layers of firmament and foundation and the waters crashing over, the God who orchestrated all of the world is the same God who took his own hands and fingers and, as knitting needles and yarn, put you in place in your mother's womb. The Hebrew poem takes us to a place of awe and wonder. That God from the Old Testament that we're a little nervous about, the God behind every miracle of the New Testament, is responsible for you. My unformed body, your Bible might say, my unformed substance. You saw my unformed substance or body. It's the only time in the Old Testament that word is used. It's the word for embryo, scientists There it sits right there in the Old Testament, suggesting that that God not only saw the embryo, but God keeps a journal of all the movement and life that goes on there during the creative process of gestation. I invite you, however, to think about this psalm from another perspective, perhaps, rather than David's reflection of God's words to David. Could you imagine the psalm as God's words directly to you? Could you imagine God speaking this psalm to you in a paraphrase, something like this? I created your inmost tissue. I brought you, every part of you, together with my fingers knitting in the belly of your mother. That was me. I wove you. You are fearful and wonderful. Those are words we use for God. God says, You are fearful, which is filled with honor and respect and awe. You are fearful. And wonderful, God says. Your bones as a tiny embryo, your very frame, it was all visible to me. I took note of you. I, I, I scribbled things down about you and every other creature to be born so that I would know your uniqueness because I created you. Those are the words from the psalm this morning. God speaking directly to you. When we pass by a mirror, those are the words, that is the message to be heard. Humans aren't responsible for the messages in the world. God is. When you see your image, the words to be heard are, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God says, you're like God. You're full of honor and awe and wonder and uniqueness, fearful and wonderful And as we sit here this morning, fallen, diseased, wounded, broken in all our various places, we can hear the scripture, the word from God to us, and we will respond all so differently. Some of us will be able to hear it and some of us won't. It's always interesting to me the different ways humans respond. We were at Disneyland over the holidays. You know I don't like Disneyland, right? I go because I like a happy household. <laughs> we're at Disneyland, and we're on It's a small world. It's just the women in the family. My mom was here, sisters. We decide we're going to go on this ride, my mom's favorite ride. We get in the little boat. Now, we've read, have some of you read this, that Disneyland is uh, redoing some of its rides because the American population is expanding. So we no longer fit in the little carts at Disneyland. It's what the article read. We'd, we read about this in November. We laughed at the house, thought that was silly. We got in our little boat. It, it's a small world. You know how you turn the little corner, just go out of sight of the workers, and the music begins and all of the animation. The boat stopped. The boat stopped. We thought, well, it'll pick up again. But then a the boat hit us from behind pretty soon another boat hit us from behind and another boat hit us from behind and we began to wonder what is happening to us well don't you think a worker comes then and rescues you isn't that what happens at the happiest place on earth <laughs> but we're sitting there looking at each other going we think we're stuck And I have the best sister in the world who just leaps into action. She begins to rock the boat like this. We're going to move our energy back and forth and we'll get off. We're we're not going to be stuck here forever. So she's telling us, rock, rock, rock. And she begins to hang on to the wood, the plywood out there. Bonnie, don't put your hand out there. That's probably not safe. Come on, if everybody will do this, we'll get out. Immediately, this one gets into action. We are going to get out of here. And of course, the next thought is, is it me? Is it me? Do I need to get out of the boat? You know, we're all, we look behind us and behind us are five very healthy people. Very healthy people with their arms just crossed, watching us and at times cheering for us. And they are stuck in the same boat we're stuck in. Acting like there's no problem in the world, we kept up with this until we finally realized if we would just redistribute the weight, my sister said, jump over. So we got up and jumped over the bar. We put all of our weight in the front of the boat, and sure enough, we rocked out of, onto the ride. And eight boats applauded. And we came around the bend. You know, wouldn't you think a worker would come for you? All these carts stacked up, and here's the little worker with her thing like this as well. well there you are she says <laughs> got out of the boat and they said you know you might check the weight distribution next time look look at the back of our boat we were doomed <laughs> we were it it isn't even funny <laughs> had i looked behind before we began i would not have gone on the boat but what's interesting to me is the various levels of responses in the boat. Some people, quickly, quickly, something needs to be done. Some pe- It's me. I need to get out. If I hadn't have eaten those donuts, we wouldn't be. Some people could care less. They were stuck. Could care less about their situation in life. And as we sit here today... It hits us the same way when God says you're fearful and you're wonderful. And some of us, the words roll right on by. We don't even stop to absorb them because we're in our own shell. Maybe as was said earlier in the testimony, we're just in denial. Some of us don't hear the words because it's painful for us. We really can't believe it anyway. That God, we would inspire God. That's what that text says. You inspire God. And we just can't believe that. So 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 we don't listen to that message. We don't absorb that message. and And others of us are so frantically working to make sure we inspire God. To make sure we're fearful and wonderful in front of God. Can you hear that message from Psalm 139 this morning when God says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you imagine the voice of God coming at you from the mirror, wouldn't that be something if in the morning you could actually stand in front of a mirror and hear God's voice? That'd be fabulous, first of all. Wouldn't that be amazing? What voice, what words would you expect to hear coming to you from God? Because I believe most people expect to hear the voice of, of scolding, the voice that, uh, that induces a guilty conscience, the voice that has a laundry list of our issues. Which is why many people don't bother with scripture and don't bother with church and don't bother with people like us. Because the message they anticipate from God is even too painful. What are the first words? you think God would say to you. And then, if you could really accept you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you're honorable, you're full of awe and reverence to me, then we ought to understand that that right there is where our self-esteem and our personal worth and our identity all comes from. Wellness starts right there, knowing in the eyes of God we are fearful and wonderful. We live in a world where we tend to measure our self-worth and our esteem and our goodness by what we can do. And we even tell our children, you're capable of anything, because we want them to believe that. We want them to strive for those ideals, but come on, you know, we can't do anything, can we? Listen to us sing this morning. Some of you can sing, but some of us can't. I could could take voice lessons for five and ten hours a day. I will never be a professional singer. Some of you are musicians and some of you aren't. Some of your brains are wired for those very intricate uh, um, uh, technological kinds of conversations. Some of you would study pure mathematics in graduate school. Good for you. I wouldn't do that, see? You you could do that, but, but you wouldn't be the goodwill ambassador for a European country. And then that goodwill ambassador ought never to make the technology for the next generation, right? You can't do anything you want. Not everybody's going to grow up and be in the NBA. And I hear that dream coming out of little boys. And you try for as long as you can not to squish that dream, right? Because most people don't grow up and go into the NBA or the PGA. And definitely not everybody gets to be the president. Goodness, after Iowa, you, would you like to be the guy with one vote? Do you see that? No wonder Chris Dodd backs out. One vote. One vote. I believe it should have said 1% of the caucus votes, but no wonder. He can't be president. Society, and we've even bought into that maxim, you can do anything you want, but we can't do anything we want. What we can do is that which God has designed us to do. And we can do that very well. When God takes his message of you're fearful and wonderfully made to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, it comes out a little different when he says, I formed you and I know you or I knew you in the womb. He tells Jeremiah, I know everything about you and this is what you're going to be. You're going to speak for me. Jeremiah says, oh, no, I'm not. I'm a child. I can't handle that. God says the equivalent of knock it off, Jeremiah. I formed you. I know you. I know what you're wired to be. You're not going to be a president, but you are going to be a prophet. So our level of success, our understanding of our self-worth, our own respect, comes from that which it is how God has wired us to be uniquely, distinctively different, each one of us. Wellness begins in the mind. Understanding that God's formed you and wired you to be something spectacular this year. And our biggest challenge this year will be ourselves. My biggest challenge to understanding my wellness, your biggest challenge to accepting your wellness, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has actually created you to do something spectacular this year, your biggest challenge to that will be you and the messages you play in your mind, and the roadblocks you put in your way, we can't control all that comes to us, the details and the circumstances, much of what comes to us this year, we will not control. We can control only one thing, right? How we choose to respond to it. I will be my biggest problem this year, and I think I deal with some interesting people, to be honest. But I'm going to be my biggest problem in front of God. And you have the potential to be your biggest problem in front of God. People not willing to accept. People not willing to live in the reality that God believes they're inspiring. That God believes they're fearful and wonderful. I remember a woman years ago when I was in the field of nutrition, a woman that I did diet counseling with, she'd been sent by the airlines because during in those days they were very strict about the weight regulations ridiculous ridiculous industry pardon me i have an opinion <laughs> she came for counseling because she was going to get fired she was on probation and if she didn't drop 12 pounds to be exact she would lose her job she was approaching 40 years old, and I remember her coming week after week after week to the hospital there in Tennessee. And every week she would write down what she ate, and every week she would get on the scale, and every week her weight would either stay the same or go up just a little bit. Week after week after week after week. Nutrition counseling along with therapy and psychotherapy, and, and in the end, all I had in front of me was a woman who wasn't willing to accept what was happening in her life that she was fearfully and wonderfully made. So she was lying. She was just writing up a list and handing it to me to cross me off her list, going home in her misery, going home in all of her feelings and challenges and issues, week after week after week, until she finally was able to stand honest before God and everybody who could help her. And she checked into the eating disorder unit. 10, 12, 15 weeks, she prolonged all of that. She was her biggest problem. John Quincy Adams, great leader of this country, probably his own biggest problem. He says of himself, a startling statement. Listen to what he's done, though, in our country. He's probably held more offices than anyone else in the history of the United States, served with distinction as president, senator, congressman, minister to major European countries and powers. He participated in the American Revolution, the War of 1812. He participated in the events leading up to the Civil War. Yet by age 70, with all that success in his life, this is what he wrote about about himself. My whole life has been a succession of disappointments. I can scarcely recollect a single instant of success in anything I ever undertook. That's our former president. Wellness begins in the mind. If you were to consider this year, 2008, just one act of wellness, would you make it the act that begins in your mind? Feed on that scripture, God calling you fearful, fearfully, wonderfully made, reverent awe-filled inspiring before god would you feed on that scripture in your mind report it recite it to yourself write it down put it on your mirror put it in your car i'm fearfully and wonderfully made let the message of that wellness statement from god take root in your mind this year and then choose just one thing Not five, not ten, not twenty things as you look in the mirror and you make a list of what needs to be done inside and out. Could you just choose one? What if each of us in this congregation selected one wellness goal? One area this year I think I'll work on. Boy, we'd be a pretty decent church at the end of the year. Everyone works on one thing. Beginning with Psalm 139. God says to you, I formed you. I was there with my own fingers. I knit you together in your mama's belly. That's how I know you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Let's pray. Grant us courage, O God, to accept the message you give us. Grant us courage to walk tall in your assessment of who we are and how we ought to move about our world. Grant us courage to be the kind of community that will be at ease with knowing we inspire our God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen.